Chat on This are a series of conversations designed to be thought-provoking, informative, and offer an empowering approach towards well-being for your family. Brought to you by Advanced Health Chiropractic. We are very excited to be chatting with Bart Merler today on Chat on This. Bart takes adventure to the next level and consistently and ably challenges himself on a regular basis. His latest conquest saw him complete the Tour Divide, a bike race that follows the Great Divide mountain bike route, some, get this, 4,339 kilometres. The Tour Divide roughly follows the Great Divide mountain bike route and is most recognised and important and the most probably important off-pavement cycling route in the United States, if not in the world. The route crisscrosses the Continental Divide from north to south, starting at Banff, Alberta, Canada, and finishing at the US-Mexico border in Antelope Wells, New Mexico. The Tour Divide is an annual self-supported race. In this event, the race clocks basically runs 24 hours a day. The riders are allowed no outside support other than access to public facilities, such as stores and motels and bike shops. Uh, the record time apparently is 13 days, 22 hours and 51 minutes, uh, which was set back in 2016. I'm dying to know what your time was. We'll get to that. The Tour Divide um, has been, interestingly enough, completed on both single-speed bicycles and also on tandem bikes, which is intriguing. The race doesn't have any entry fees or prizes. It usually starts the second week of June, I believe. Now, when he's not doing these amazing adventures, his everyday job is owner and director of My Time, which is a timing solution company for sports events. And he and his partner, Lou, also own Anytime Fitness in Tiaratu Peninsula. Bart, I believe, is constantly on the look for new adventures and challenges, both in New Zealand and around the world. Welcome, Bart, and thank you so much for sharing with us today. Thank you very much for inviting me. I'm very excited to hear a little bit more about your adventuring, but let's start about telling our listeners a little bit more about who you are and what gets you out of bed in the morning. What are your, where do your passions lie? My, my two main passions in life, always have been, always will be, uh, food and sports. We have one thing in common and so far. I, I think it is food. <laughs> yes. I love, I love certain sports. Not quite the same level that you love them, though. Yes. Yeah. And, and I always joke that it's a really nice combination to have because it means that I can eat whatever I want, whenever I want, and really don't have to worry too much about putting on weight Yes. because I generally exercise it off. Yes, your metabolism is absolutely supercharged with all that wonderful exercise. Yes, absolutely. Now tell me, you enjoy partaking in the consumption of food. Do you actually cook as well? Yes, 100%. Fabulous. And it was actually more the, the, the wanting to cook and preparing food uh, that started me off as a – and I remember as a young kid, first thing I used to uh, – I learned to make was chocolate mousse. Oh, now so, you're talking. So I'm originally from Belgium. Yeah. And as you would know, chocolate is a big thing in Belgium. And so, yeah, that's that's kind of where it started. And, and, and I really haven't stopped since. Um, and, and cooking, obviously, then, of course, once you cook it, you eat it. Uh, but cooking was, was really where it all started. 
That's amazing. I hope that one day Ash and I might get to partake in your chocolate mousse. <laughs> I would love to do that for you. Now, when did you decide to do the Tour Divide and why was it this event that particularly appealed to you? Um, good good question. And and it's it's one that's that's not so easy to answer. Um, so, so over the years, um, sports is a passion. Uh, but I've kind of gone through phases. Um, as a kid, I was a lot of team sports, volleyball, it was basketball, and the stuff that we that we did at school. Um, and there wasn't much of a, of adventure and stuff happening in Belgium. Belgium is very populated, and there's not much nature left. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really uh, find out about all these other different adventure sports until I left Belgium. Um, then then um, I lived in the UK for a little bit, and that's where I first came across multi-sports and adventure racing. Um, while I was traveling, I actually came to New Zealand for the very first time back then and and did a bit of trekking. And then and then the sports side and the trekking kind of became a, oh, well, I can trek and I can run. And all of a sudden, you can mountain run. And then you find these events that are mountain running. Um, so I'm not sure how you find out about them. I guess you just... Google and see what's out there and see what's in your area. Um, and this specific one, uh, I think I must have just Googled greatest mountain bike races in the world. Sure. And you get a few different lists and and, and the Tour Divide was on each and every single list as being the one best. Of the, yeah. 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 Um, it is, I think it's the race that started the sport of bikepacking. Mm. So bikepacking as a sport is really just – you know how people go on holiday yeah. and they tour and, yeah. and they, they carry everything that they need, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's whether it's a tent and sleeping bags mm-hmm. and cooking equipment and, and obviously all the clothes and, mm-hmm. and, and all that. And if you see people who are on holiday, that's a lot of gear. Yeah. So they have the panniers at the front and then yeah. the panniers at the back and, yes. and, then, and then a few other bags and bits and pieces, um, which which makes it a little bit harder to travel fast. Yeah. So that's the one thing I've always kind of really enjoyed, to do things as fast as possible. Oh, I can see why you and Ash have um, a connection. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, because he's exactly the same. And, and it's it's just something you can't really explain. No. Um, we take a, a tramp and it says, oh, you know, this is a, a five-day tramp. And then Louise and I go, you reckon we could do it in two? Amazing. And, and we just love going all day. Until yeah. you're absolutely naked at the end, and then you sleep long enough to yeah. recover, and then you get up and do it again. Do it again. Yeah. So that, Why? I don't know. Yeah, that, uh, that <clears> absolute <throat> desire to just to, to to conquer, really, is it's to conquer and to, mm. to seek forth. Um, I've also heard uh, that you and Louise also like to trek with your dogs. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's so cool just to see them run around and, and, and they are they are a hunting type dog. So so I guess, you know, it's 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 what they were meant to do. And and yeah, it's just it adds another element to to trekking. Absolutely. It's so cool. Absolutely. So um, can you take us through uh, what it was like to cycle the tour divide? Um, what were your highlights? What were your low light? What where were the challenges? Where did they lie? Um, and how long did it take you? 
Um, so it took, to answer that last question first, it took me 22 days, wow. seven hours, and who cares how many minutes, um, which uh, which is obviously nowhere near the record, and then it's just absolutely phenomenal yeah. you know, to see that someone can do that that fast. It's just Next level, uh, yeah. It just yeah. didn't stop, basically. So to do that in 13 days, we know that you are super fit, super dedicated, and definitely motivated to go fast. Mm -hmm. And you were 22. And you were leading the pack. I, I understand that you were one of the... No, not really. No, not really. Um, I, I ended up being the first Kiwi home. There you go. But but not anywhere near the actual winner of the race. Right. Yeah, it, it is it is very much a different uh, different level. Um, so these guys, uh, when they when they're in the sort of top five or top ten, they cycle twenty hours a day. Wow. Every day, and would average over three hundred kilometers Jeepers. every day. Uh, the longest day that I did was twenty one hours. Um, the average was kind of more around the, the 16 to 18, but still very Huge. big days. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but but they do it consistently, 20 hours at a minimum, every day, all day. Wow. And that's, yeah, there was just days where I kind of went, I'm too cold, you yeah. know, I'm buggered. Um, so and what's just your body telling you when you're doing that much cycling? You're in one position, you're going mm -hmm. up and down, you must have all sorts of, all the elements, the weather. Um what are you thinking? The, the thinking part is actually really, really simple. Yeah. Um, I, I watched a video, a very short video of the guy who, who won the race, and and what he said it was very uh, relevant to to how it was for me. Yeah. The only difference was that he applied it to how to win, and I just applied it to how to finish. Um, so out of the 170-odd people that started, uh, this year was particularly hard uh, because we had some really late and uh, seasonally late snow um, and, and much, much tougher weather conditions than normal. I think normally uh, in, the, in any given year, there's about 50 or 60 percent of people that finish the race. So it's still a fairly high attrition rate. Yeah. This year, there was less than 40 out of 170 that actually made it. To the finish. Well, that's extraordinary. 25%. Yeah. 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 And it was, it was, it was definitely tough. Yeah. Um, the weather was a big part of that. So, so the, the thinking part for me was simple because, and the way the the winner explained it is, you just become a man on a mission. Yeah. This is what you need to do to finish, and you break it down into you know your your daily routines. Where can I get food? Where can I get water? What's the terrain like? What's the weather doing? And across all of those four, what do I need to do to get through this day and then the next day and the next day? Sure. And if I do all of that, then I will finish. Yeah. And that's... Chunk it down. So, so the thinking was... And and, and, and Aisha actually asked, oh, you know, you, you'll be out there on your own and there'll be lots of time for amazing thinking and really deep thoughts. No. No, it actually wasn't like that at all. So often I'd just be riding along and I'd have a song in my head yep. and it'd be on repeat over and over and over. It's almost like the mind just checked out. Yep. And the only thing that mattered was food, water. Uh, am I warm enough? Yep. Am I safe? Um, and then at the end of the day, it'd be like, okay, I've got a mountain pass coming or I don't. Do I carry on a little bit? Do I stop? And, and Engaging that. Absolutely. So, yeah. you're, so you're actually able to stop and eat at different places. You're not having to carry all your own food. 
No. No. Yeah. No, um, it's it's just too long race yeah. to, to carry. Like you said, too much to carry. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And did you see any uh, wildlife? Yes, sure did. Uh, yeah. Did you see a bear? I did. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. Quite amazing. Wow. Um, so so all those sorts of things uh, you kind of learn a little bit beforehand. Um, I I I probably looked at this race for the first time maybe. Uh, six seven years ago, when I read about it somewhere, uh, but because it's it's a slightly longer race, um, I it really took a long time to to I guess to be able to to pull it off in the sense of having time off work. Mm. Um, and and one thing that's that that year in year out would would stop me from even considering it is. The, the race is in June, so it starts the, the every every year, second Friday, mm-hmm. uh, which is the, the uh, in Canada, it's the summer solstice. Oh right, so it's long, yes, long that day. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and June works out for us from a work perspective relatively well, mm-hmm. but unfortunately, it comes at the end of a very busy working wise summer yeah. season. So you're not prepared enough, you or you're very hard to prepare in that those circumstances. Absolutely, yeah. yep. So I never felt that I was going to be able to train enough to be fit enough. Yes. And every year, a year would pass, and, yeah. and you would look at it and go, "No, it's not going to be this no. year." And, and COVID actually was the one that changed things. You had more time. More time because yeah. our businesses got heavily affected. Yes, just as, as yes. you know, as many yes. businesses. So there were opportunities. Opportunities. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I was yeah. able to go out and ride. Yes, and uh, and and it's it's really funny in the very same way that during the race, you know, it's almost like you become a a, a, a man obsessed with you got you got these blinkers on, yeah. and the only thing you see is 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 what you need to do beforehand. It's exactly the same. Mm. You know, you have that goal and you go, okay, it started off being I've got to be able to ride a, let's say, 10-hour day. So so I entered the Waka 160. Uh, no, the first time actually was the Waka 100. Yeah. And um, so that took me seven hours. Mm. Tick. Mm. Then Louise and I did a road cycle race over in Aussie, yeah. which was 200-odd kilometers. Um, got caught in hailstorms. It was miserable. We absolutely froze the nuts off. Um, and uh, but that took ten hours in some really tough conditions. Tick. Tick. Mm. Then uh, did the Walker one sixty, twelve hours. Tick. Yeah. And so little by little you kind of build, yes. and obviously you go, okay, I'm going to do this this road cycle race, and you do the training that's required to to do it, and then you lift it a little bit, lift it a little bit. So so over kind of two years, all of a sudden you're there, you're, you're there. ready. Yeah. It's extraordinary. It's a huge. It's a huge build up. You're right, and essentially, the planets aligned. Circumstances were right. You mm-hmm. were able to press go on this. Yeah. Um. I'm thinking also there must have been a huge financial cost to all of this as well. People joke that yeah. it is because there's no entry fees to the race. No. It is the most expensive free race on the planet. It would have. I can. I can. I. I'm getting a feeling it would be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It probably would have. Would have cost all up close to twenty thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah. I had to buy a whole lot of equipment. Yes. And so all the the, the, the bike packing stuff. Um. And and like Louise has done more adventure racing than uh, than I have. Um. Uh, and over the years, we were able to kind of year by year uh, buy some stuff. 
she'd do a race and they would go they would go you need uh, mini crampons okay we'll buy some mini crampons and, and every year you buy something and at the end she would do races and she wouldn't even have to really buy anything anymore because we already have got the kit yeah this time i had to buy every single piece yeah and the front bag and then in the back there's this, there's these specific bags that are attached to your saddle mm. um and and they're just enough so uh, to, to carry uh, 10 liters or 16 liters worth of, of kit yeah but i had to buy that so so you kind of buy all yeah. these things all in one year um i i ended up having to buy a, a, a new bike beforehand um, and then different story i had to buy a new bike during the race now i know about as well. this <laughs> because um uh, now let's see if i can remember the details we were following you on your race it was mm -hmm. the most amazing thing to be able to be on the other side of the world and actually see um your journey basically through your eyes yes. but i understand there was some pretty bad weather and there was snow unexpected snow mm -hmm. and as a consequence your bike needed to be replaced correct yes yeah so so this was at the at the end of day four we got to a, uh, a campground and and we had had snow pretty much uh in those four first four days, but more snow that was already there, and the odd little snow flurry, you know. So that was mm. it was more a case of of walking your bike through the snow, which which made it definitely hard. But uh, but this this day, the fifth day, was was something else altogether. Mm. Um, started off, uh, got going out of the campgrounds. Usually we we try to get going by about five five thirty, mm. um, and. And one of the guys had an app on his phone, and he, his, he had said, uh, one of the actual Kiwi riders, actually, he said, oh, there's a really good chance for a, a decent amount of snow. Mm. First up, we had to go up, up and over um, Richmond Peak, so mm. the mountain pass uh, in Montana. Mm. And, uh, and yep, fair, fair enough, uh, his forecast was right. Uh, but an hour in, it started snowing. And then it, uh, it started snowing really heavily. And I guess the, the 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 mountain pass would have already had some snow on it from from you know, the, 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 the couple of weeks before that, and then it just kept adding to it and adding to it and adding to it. Um, I think the, the 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 pass itself was around two thousand three hundred odd meters, mm. so it's a reasonable reasonable mm. amount of height. And and anyway, I kind of thought, oh, this is pretty cool, and we're cycling in the snow, and <laughs> you don't get to do that very often. Uh, it, it was all a bit of fun uh, until, obviously, the snow got deeper and deeper and deeper. And then one rider who, who was in front actually turned back, and, and she said to me, you know, I don't think it's safe. Mm. Um, but at that point, when I came across her, it was literally, it would have been maybe two or three kilometers from the, from the top. And I thought... Oh come on! Yeah. It's that close, yeah. you know. Let's and, and and she said, oh, she'd gone another, you know, a few hundred meters, and it started to get really, really deep. And I thought, well, let's just go to where she went and see how bad it was there, and then I can make a decision. Yeah. Um. And I got there, and and it was pretty deep, but by that stage, all of a sudden, you're only two kilometers from yeah. the top, and I thought, now I'm going to give this a crack. Um. And. You know, so we've done a little bit of mountaineering and a lot, lots of outdoor stuff, and you, you just check, okay, my core is warm, my core is warm, my hands are cold, my feet are cold, but the core is good. So as long as that stays, then we're safe. Yeah. So I carried on, um, and by that by that stage, you're long off the bike and you and you're pushing it. Yeah. And 
and yes, it just it got deeper and harder, and 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 some of the snow drifts where the where the track was fairly narrow were, were waist deep. Wow! So you're dragging your bike and you and you're lifting it up and over, and 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 somewhere along the line, obviously, it, it got damaged. Yeah, because uh, I just you couldn't see what was underneath, and 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 it got to a point where where I was really I knew there was no margin for mistake. Yeah, I had to stay on the track. And I had to stay moving relatively uh, fast to stay warm. Wow. Because if either one of those two would go, then I was pressing the SEOs button. Absolutely. And it would be an air vacuum. Yeah. So you got that in your mind, and and, and you don't really think about the bike. You just got to keep moving. Got to keep moving. Yeah, survival. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I got, got, uh, got to the top, and, uh, and the bike was just covered in snow, and the wheels were just – you know, round circles of, yeah. of, of, of ice and snow. Got down the, the other end and out of the snow and you start to relax a little bit and, and, and checked out the bike. And unfortunately, the rail ear had, had been bent. Uh-oh. Yeah. And I thought, and, and, and it was still pretty pretty cold. It hadn't, hadn't warmed up. And so I thought, no, I just got to try and, and, and keep moving. So I tried to ride it for a little bit, tried to bend it back, tried to ride it for a little bit, and it, it just wasn't going to go. So, um, so I thought, okay, well, yeah, that's that's just what it is. And there was a, a town about, I think, about fifteen or twenty kilometers from where I was at that point. So I thought, oh, well, I'll just I'll just walk it out. Yeah. Um, and it ended up being more of a job just to kind of keep warm. Keep warm. Um, and the plan was there to either there's a bike shop and they can fix it or, or something along those lines. Yeah. And uh, and you got to the got to the town. It was a tiny little town, no real bike shop. So so local mechanic, uh, kind of more. Um, I think there was a shop for outdoor like uh, lawnmowers and, and stuff like that. Said, oh, you know, I'll give this a, a go. So I took the derailleur off and tried to uh, turn it into a, a single speed. Yeah. And obviously didn't didn't really work. And then I tried to cycle on it, and it snapped the frame. Oh, oh! Clean through. Jeepers! Ran, ran the big so. Um, rang my, my wife Louise in tears. Yeah, because I, I did you thought you'd done. You're yeah, out. That yeah. was it. The race was over. Um, I had a fleeting thought saying, "Oh, what if I buy a new bike?" And I thought, "No, that kind of that is too expensive." Yeah, been so expensive already. Yes. And uh, and I spoke to Louise, and she said, "I just go and buy a new bike." Yes, <laughs> Rebecca. So yeah, the, yeah. The, the, oh. it, it took a day and a bit. Um, but yeah, bought a new bike, got everything swapped over, and, and wow, back into it. It's yeah, the highs and lows, eh? That's huge. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. yeah um. So what was the feeling? You you crossed the finish line. You're 22 days down. You've given it everything. Mm-hmm. What did you feel? It was actually the biggest anticlimax. Oh. For probably for two reasons. Yes. Yeah. So the race is there's no organisation. Yeah. You know, literally everyone gathers yeah. on that Friday, and then off you go, and then you're on your own. Sometimes there's other riders, you know, but you're pretty much you're on your own, and there's no the organisers don't offer supply points or anything whatsoever, and that extends to the finish. So no one's there. There's nothing there. I get it. You literally Weird. get to the end of the road. Yeah. And and there it is. And everyone knows the sign because you've all yes. seen pictures of you know, other people. Visualized that, it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but it's just a border crossing. And and you get there and there's no one there. 
So you have a little cry, yeah, and, and just about everyone does, and I yeah. certainly did, yeah. Uh, but because it's sort uh, of all of a sudden it's real, you've actually yeah. you've achieved this, yes. Uh, but then you, and then that's it. So for for three weeks, all you've known is eat, sleep, ride, repeat, yeah. And then all of a sudden you're what done. Now, yeah. So yeah, well, it, it was it was it was bizarre i can yeah. I, i'm getting that feeling yeah very bizarre and of course for you um you know you share so much with louise your mm-hmm. your, your wife and um she's not there though she's, is she? there. she's back here running the businesses and yeah. yes yeah there's a lot of the american writers and the canadian writers their family yes in a being there yeah. for them but but a lot of the overseas writers of course it just it's not yeah um oh. but. Well, we we uh, we were certainly there with you on that finish line, all of us back here watching you. Yeah, um, yeah. Now tell us, you come in regularly for your chiropractic tune-ups with Ash. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that you understand the importance of a fro- properly functioning spine and nervous system in relation to your health and your well-being. Um, so why is chiropractic an integral part of your life? It, it started way back when, when I was having um, issues, yes. and for me specifically, um, I was having uh, back issues, yeah. and uh, I, I tried a few different things, and and they're always just temporary fixes. Mm. So I'd, in my case, the back would lock up, and it's an extremely painful. But also, it it stops you from doing anything. So yeah. you're almost sometimes on hands and knees, and you can't walk properly. And um, and and then good friends of ours, um, James and Anna. Ah. Oh. They were studying chiropractic yes. uh, at the at the school, of course. A- and uh, and through talking to them, yeah, you know, they said, "Well, why don't you give it a go?" Yeah, it's, it was sort of one of those things you you heard about, mm. but it hadn't really entered consciousness, I yes. guess, enough to to. It was always just a automatic. Well, let's go and see physio. Yeah, because physio was just a little bit yeah. better know. Um, and um, and yes, so I went to go see Anna at the school. I yeah. was one of her practice oh, students. Oh, great! Um, but but you could tell she was really learning, and and we actually were over at dinner um, at Dia's last week or week before, and, and we joked about it because um, Anna got to see me one day when my back was locked up, mm. and she said she was just straight away. Mm, supervisor, yeah, this is, this is <laughs> yeah. not something I, I know how to deal with. Yeah, um, so it was it was kind of hard for her because she was still sure. learning. And then um, and then would ask them. I said, "Hey, look, you know, is there anyone that you would recommend?" And then they obviously recommended Ash. Yeah, and um, and straight away I had a very easy connection. Yes, with Ash. But, yes, because there's certain things yes. that they have in common. Lots of common. Yeah, and uh, but also apart from that. You know, it, it really felt nice that to begin with, that there was an assessment. Mm. And and what he explained mm. and showed some pictures, it kind of all, always made sense. Yes. And but, but then there was still a bit of a journey where I'd come and see him and he'd fix it and it was great. And then and then I'd stop again and then that would re- reoccur. Yes. And it wasn't really until I went, no, I'm, I'm really done with this. Yeah. Then I said... Well, how about I come every fortnight? Yes. And I haven't had any issues ever since. It's really interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, inherently um, we rely on often our symptoms mm-hmm. as a measure of whether we're well or not well. Yes. Um, and sometimes that that's a, a good measure. But often, and certainly in our experience as chiropractors, we find that actually it's not a very good measure of function. Yeah. Um, and because often it's the symptom that comes at the end 
you know, when there's mm. already so much function that's been lost. Uh, yes. Yeah, so when we use something on a regular basis, just like how we keep our bodies fit and moving, mm. yeah. same with chiropractic, if we can keep our spine and our nerve system optimised, mm. our health always is going to respond in a much a much more optimal way. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. that's great. And I definitely, uh, I think, I know I haven't been sick. I don't think I've been sick ever since I've seen it. You know, yeah. I've never been one to no. get sick quite often. Yeah. But I don't think I've been sick no. at all. Yeah, because it is related. Our immune oh. function is tied in absolutely with our nervous system function. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I, I just am in awe of everything you've achieved. And I know you've got so many stories. In fact, I know you and Louise have so many stories um, that we might have to get into another time. But thank you so very, very much for coming and chatting with us today. Um, I do need to ask, mm -hmm. what's next? Have you got anything pegged as being your next adventure? Yeah, it'll probably be work-related. Ah, yes. And do you, do you care to share? Um, at the moment, it's a little bit hard. Okay. So, so we've got a, 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 a possible business opportunity, right. which is food related. Ah. Um, and and it was it was funny that the, the tour was just such a such a pinnacle. Yes. Where at this point in time, I was like, I don't think I'll find something that that will quite bring the same high level of achievement. So I'll let that sort of rest Settle. for a little bit. Yeah. You know, tackle something different. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'll probably be able uh, Oh, we're very excited to hear about that. Mm -hmm. um, thank you so much, Bart, and um, all the very best for your next endeavour. Good morning, Bob.